that truth that of his love and our response, our ability to respond to him. It says, now we get to love you in return. That all of our, our Christian life is about a response to his love toward us, isn't it? Um, and so as we take the bread this morning and we think about the cross and Jesus' brokenness for us because of our own brokenness, that he took all of that on himself. And so this morning, as we take out this bread, let's remember that we are participants in a great grace because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So you think of that dark moment on the cross and Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because the cup of wrath was poured out upon him. A wrath that we deserved to have poured out upon us. But because of God's great grace, he tells us this morning that that cup of wrath was poured out on him so that you and I could participate in the cup of grace, in the cup of blessing. So let's take and drink the cup of grace this morning. I am absolutely thrilled this morning by God and his great grace and his great mercy. So Lord, would you please inhabit us this morning through your word? Would your Holy Spirit reveal the truths to us? Would you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds? Would we be transformed by what your word teaches us this morning? So whatever distractions are in the way this morning, whatever um, things that we might be uh, going through in our own lives, would you please, Lord, uh, remove those? Um, anything that uh, is distracting in me as I uh, teach through your word this morning, would you remove those as well? And give us ears to only hear what it is that the Spirit speaks to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we find ourselves this morning in Acts chapter 6, and um, we are uh, going to be just in the first um, seven verses. So I'd like to begin there, and um, we're going to bounce just a little bit um, this morning through a couple of things, and um, hopefully... Uh, my aim this morning is for us to see the simplicity of what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. It's, it, we really complicate it. It's simple and not easy. That's the other thing I want us to get. That, that living a Christian life and living the life of the church is a simple thing, but it's difficult. And that's why we need to appropriate that great grace of God, right? That, that great atoning work of Jesus Christ in our lives so that we can live the Christian life as he calls us to. So I'm going to read through uh, Acts 6, 1 through 7, and then we will begin to kind of unfold some things in there. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, 
full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and, excuse me, as I butcher these names, uh, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. Verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. So, you know, we've looked a lot at Acts 2, 42. Um, and I'm going to look at it again. Um, because uh, as, as we have looked at um, the book of Acts, as we look at the early church and what they were dedicated to and devoted to, that um, it is, I believe, the proclamation of what it is to be a New Testament church. And the, the process, the, 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 the phrasing seems like rather simple, kind of four small little points. And they're so deep that here we are five and a half months later, and I'm still talking about Acts 2.42. Because I, I really do believe that the full time that, that we are here as a church, it is... It is what it means to be a church of Jesus Christ. It's what it looks like. So if we look at Acts um, 2.42, again, just as a reminder, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I want us to notice that, that those four things that tells the church to do and to be about our book ended by the two most important things. The Apostles' Doctrine, the Word of God, and prayer. What would you think is often the most neglected uh, aspect of our faith, of our walk as Christians? It is the Word of God and prayer. Those are the things that we neglect. We uh, feel quite comfortable in the middle, in the breaking of bread, sharing with one another, in fellowship, hanging out, having friends. We feel really kind of comfortable in there. And sometimes we can participate in that and to the exclusion of the Word of God and prayer. And then we have done nothing godly. We've done nothing uh, to further the kingdom of God. We've done nothing that is really uniquely Christian about that at all. And as Alistair Begg has said, and I've quoted this before, is he, he quotes this idea because of the American church's tendency to neglect biblical instruction and to neglect prayer. He says that we have become a church that is biblically illiterate and spiritually mal malnourished. And I would believe that to be true, that um, often that's because we've excluded the two very most important things is the word of God and prayer. That is what makes us distinctly Christian. So I think about this and I was pondering in my heart. So what is it good for? 
What is the Word of God good for? Let's turn to 2 Timothy 3. If we look at 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my practice, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then he gives them the but as for you. The but as for you is always hit home with me. That all of these things that go on around us are true. And they, they, these things come at us and persecutions come and problems come and all of that. But, but God um, reminds us time and time again. But as for you, this is what I have for you. So verse 14, but as for you, that means you and me, as for us, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, that is the word of God, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, uh, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's what good the Word of God is for us. That's why it ought to be central to all that we do. Um, and we are aiming here, of course, in this body to make that be the case, that the Word of God is centered to everything we do. And for good reason, as you can see clearly from the Scripture, it is good reason. Again, I think about prayer, but what is it good for? What is our purpose in prayer? What does it do for us? Let's look at James chapter 5. In James 5, he gives us a clear picture of what it is that prayer is good for. I would like to, before I look at James 5, to read you a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Considering prayer and considering what the church ought to be about in it as it pertains to prayer. He says that the condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a graceometer. And from it we judge of from, a, from it we may judge of the amount of divine working among people. If God be near a church, it must pray. If God's to be near us, we must pray. And if he be not there, one of the diverse tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness in prayer. If we notice that God is absent from us, it is because we have been slothful in our prayer. If God be near to us, it is because, and only because, we have pressed into him and that we've sought after him. Let's look at James 5, beginning in verse 13. Think about the goodness of what prayer does for us as a body. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And he prayed again, and heaven gave the rain, and the earth bore its fruit. See, there's, there's much power in prayer. There's healing. There's a spiritual growth that happens in prayer. Talking about the good confession. Um, that's been on my heart for three days now. Having a good confession before God and man. That as we gather together in fellowship with one another and we're praying, and we confess our shortcomings to one another and to God, guess what? Your brothers and sisters have the same sort of shortcomings or have had them in the past and can tell you from their experience in the Word of God and their experience in their relationship with Christ, they can come alongside you and encourage you, brother and sister, to grow up in Him, to grow to the full stature of Christ, right? To, to grow in maturity. So, prayer and the Word of God has very much value, doesn't it? Another quote from Charles Spurgeon that I would like to read because it, it really grasped me this week is, to pray is to grasp heaven in one's arms, to embrace the deity with one's soul, and to feel one's body made a temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. I'd like to read that one more time, because it, it's deep if, you, if we appropriate that for ourselves. To pray is to grasp heaven in one's arms, to embrace the deity with one's soul, and to feel one's body made a temple of the Holy Spirit. So prayer and the Word of God have much, much value. So back to Acts 6. As we think about what's going on here in this chapter, as the church grows, as needs start to be felt, needs uh, come about, um, when you start out and you're small, the needs are different than as you grow. And as the church grows, there are more needs, uh, needs that are practical, needs that are purposeful. But everything needs to line around, fulfilling those needs, needs to be uh, surrounded by the Word of God and prayer. That, that that is the focus, that we can get focused on meeting felt needs and neglect the greatest need. And... I was thinking about our greatest responsibility. If I was, I was uh, naming or, or putting a, a title on today's message is our greatest responsibility. We have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to serve each other. We have a responsibility to love one another. We have a responsibility um, that we see a brother or a sister in need um, and in a hurt to come alongside them, help them, uh, and encourage them and to come alongside them. But our greatest responsibility, our greatest uh, commission, as it were, that, that God has given us is that we are to be those who are about the Word of God and we are about prayer. That is what the church is to be about, about the Word of God and prayer. Um, now, these things, they're needful. We must do them as well. But it must be centered um, secondary to or in partnership with the Word of God and prayer. Because of all that that 
avails to us, all that that gives us, right? All that that does for the one who has a felt need, they have a felt need, but they have a deeper need. They have a need of the Word of God. They have a need for gospel transformation in their lives. I, currently, as I stand here, have a need for gospel transformation in my life. I, right here, have a need for more and more of who Jesus is. I I have more of a need today than I did yesterday. Only because God has revealed uh, the deceitfulness of my own heart, the deceitfulness of my mind. The, the lack of strength that I have. Um, Doug and I were talking about this Wednesday that, you know, you think about what um, uh, God uh, was speaking to Israel in, in Deuteronomy about love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength and all that, right? And and that God puts this, this sort of threefold thing in there because there's nothing more deceitful than our heart. So if you're trusting in your heart to serve God, it's going to fail you. So... When that happens, engage your mind and think those things through. And then when you're trying to muster up the strength to serve and love God, your strength is going to fail. You just don't have enough. And then it is rely on your heart and your mind to, to build you back up again. You see, so it's, it's got to be this thing working together because um, we are definitely weak vessels and we need the Lord Jesus to help us with those things. So that again is where prayer comes in. So, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint came by the Hellenists uh, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. See, as we um, put together what it is that um, we as a church are about, we uh, put together the idea that everything that we do as a church is centered around the word of God. That leadership is centered around the Word of God. That, that that all that we do, that all that we are, is centered around um, being in the Word, being um, being folks who are uh, about those things. And as you notice uh, in our uh, bulletins, of which I seem to have lost mine, because I'm going to read from it. Um, somebody have one that has the news. No, it was an older, older one. Um, anyway, what I was going to say about that is that in the ones that I've had in the past couple of weeks, it, uh, it, it shows us that, that the Word of God, biblically uh, expos- ex- expositorily taught, uh, word by word, line by line, verse by verse, systematically, so that we don't have an agenda as we approach the Word of God, that... that that formed the basis of the purpose of our church is that we believe fully that that the word of God is central to all that we do and that a systematic study of the word of God is what causes us to grow is what causes us to be unified so 
these guys said that the government of the church, the way the church is governed, is centered around the word of God and prayer. Notice this, that they said, we should not give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Because they said, the way we're going to govern our church is around the word of God, and it's around prayer. That's, that's where we focus. So we should not give up our central identifying uh, truth to do this. That's really what they're getting at. And notice this, that, that um, the Hellenist Jews, they were those who were sort of outside, as it were. Now, see, they said they were neglecting in a daily distribution. This is one of the things that speaks to membership, that, that the Bible doesn't clearly uh, explicitly say that a church ought to have a formal sort of process of membership, but it's sort of implied here, because, you see, the Hebrew widows were counted. They knew who they were. They were part of the church. They had identified them. They knew them by name. They knew what they needed. Uh, but there were others among them, these Hellenist Jews, who were not counted amongst those folks. They were still part of the body of Christ, generally, but they weren't part of the particular body at that place, you see. And so what rose up amongst them was this idea that they had been neglected. And then what happens to us then, again, as you see, as the church grows right there, becomes an increase in our area of responsibility. There becomes these felt needs that must be met. And they say, let's focus on the Word of God. What is the purpose for saying that we must focus on the Word of God? Well, think about the Hellenist Jews at that time used... Um, the Apocrypha as part of their, their Bible. And, and what the, the, the church itself held on to was something more distinct and said, you know what, we're not going to collect the Word of God to meet their needs, but we're going to meet their needs so that we can teach them what the Word of God says about that. Right? We're going to meet those needs, but we're going to be about the Word of God so that when they are drawn into the full number of who we are, when they are amongst us as this particular body, they will have been grounded in the truth of the Word of God and in prayer. So that then is what we are all about. And again, one of the things that I want us to, to see this morning is that as they had devoted themselves to the Word of God, to prayer, to the ministry of the Word, and the whole thing, it pleased all that gathered. It pleased those who were amongst the body. It pleased those who were amongst the members. And you know what they, they, they focused on is that oftentimes as a church, um, and as churches are in America, we have this sense that we're, we're looking about um, addition. We want to add more to the body. And their process is about multiplication instead of addition. It's about multiplying the body of Christ. We could add people, we could add people to the body and never really grow. And never really grow if we neglect the word of God in prayer. But he says, no, we're going to focus as a church, as a body of believers, the focus is on the word of God in prayer. Because why? Because that's how we multiply that's how we really, truly grow. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but, but 
I, I think that as I look around um, the world, that, that we are certainly impatient people. And the multiplication process is much slower than the addition process, isn't it? Because if we neglect the word of God in prayer, we focus in, let's say, on two very, very worthy things. Fellowship and the breaking of bread. Sharing. Being in relationship with people. Right? But if we loosely relate to people, we won't offend them. And they'll add, they'll come. They'll come be part of what you're doing. If you loosely sort of say, whatever goes, we're okay, we're going to be friends. Everything's going to be fun. If we do loving, caring things and share with them, right? They'll come. There'll be additions. They'll also fly away pretty fast, too. Those that come will drop off in a very quick hurry. But as we invest in the Word of God and in prayer, right, um, some will reject it out of hand. But if we continue steadfastly, as the apostles did in the Word of God and in prayer, steadfastly in those things, slowly, bit by bit, we start to multiply. Because those of us who are being grounded in the Word of God and growing up into the full stature of Christ, guess what we do? Healthy sheep produce healthy sheep, right? As we grow in health, we can reproduce. If we are weak and we are just a mile wide and an inch deep, right? We go nowhere, right? But let's go a mile deep and an inch wide and we'll multiply, right? We will multiply. That is the point of what they're getting at here when they say that they devoted themselves to the word of God in prayer, that, that we must be about those really simple things. Now, the, the sharing, the breaking of bread, um, and the fellowship, those things go hand in hand. You, you don't want to neglect those either. But our primary focus, as we can see in here in the word, is that we will devote ourselves to prayer into the ministry of the word. Now notice this, that they said, select some guys out there from among you to take care of these felt needs. Well, notice this, that those who are motivated to take care of the felt needs are no less, are no less invested in the word of God and in prayer than those who devoted themselves to it. They were those who were so invested in it that they would sacrifice their time and their effort, right? So that those who are in the leadership of that church could invest their time in the importance of the Word of God and in prayer. So they were participating really in the Word of God and in prayer, but through service. And so you see here that the, uh, as we talked last week about the elders, see that, that the elders of the church are really the leadership of the church. And, and the leadership in the church Leadership begins and ends, I believe, in the Word of God and in prayer. That's what begins and ends. Now, service, that's whole service, service to others, service to each other, service to the body, is all to help facilitate the leadership of the church to devote themselves to the Word of God and prayer. I know that I may be emphasizing this over and over again, but I really want us to see that it's all about that, and that that is what they're after. People use this text a lot to, um, to use it as the beginning of deacon ministry. And that, um, 
Even in, in churches, they have taken deacon ministry and made it leadership. Deacon ministry is different. Deacon ministry is servanthood. But that doesn't make them less. It's, it's another manifestation of what God does in the church. That, that service is all focused on helping, assisting others so that the word of God will go forth. And so that its leadership can be praying. And that leadership can devote their time and their efforts to the word of God. That's what it's all about. So, as they, um, as they said this, you know, to, to gather these guys, and they, they found these that, that were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. They found these guys that were. And notice this, that, that when they found these guys, and they asked what it is, they gave them the criteria. Here's who you must choose. Right? I want us to see this clearly. Because when they said, get these guys, they, they said this, whom we will appoint to this duty. It is the leadership, those who are about the word of God and about prayer, who appoint them to the duty. You see, so there's a, there is this distinction. Service, which is ministry, right? And then the ministry of the word. That is what leadership does. So there's just these two um, contrasting things that we need to see. And... I want us to look at verse 7, and we will close with that. In verse 7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I want to focus on two words in there. Multiplied, right? We're not just adding bodies. We are multiplying. We're growing up. We're growing up into the full stature of Christ and being able to, enabled to, by the Spirit of God, through prayer and through His Word, we are being enabled to reproduce. And guess what? As we were reproduce, the healthy ones that are being, that are being produced by this um, uh, narrow focus on the Word of God and prayer become obedient to the faith. They, they become able to obey the word of God. That's important. It is, it is vitally important that we not just be hearers of the word, but that we obey the word of God. And you know, it further tells us that, that we must not muzzle the ox, right? So we must do everything we can in this body, I think, to facilitate the word of God and prayer to encourage one another to be about the word of God, to encourage one another to be men and women of prayer. And um, so for me this morning, as I was um, thinking all of this through is I think it's really, really uh, the thing that um, in the new year that I want to continue to narrow our focus. I really want to continue our narrow, uh, to narrow our focus on the word of God and on prayer because that's how we grow up. That's how we become Christ-like. That's how we grow in the full stature of who he is. And so, would you pray with me as we um, close? I want you guys to remember this, that we have some soup and some food back there, so participate back with us if you would. Tonight, again, at 6 o'clock is um, a partnership uh, membership class that um, I'd like you to attend and uh, come and see what we're what we're about, and uh, that would be great.
Let's pray. Our Father God, you are good. Your works are mighty. Your word is powerful. I'm thankful for the work that it has done in my life. I have the faith um, because you gave it to me to understand that the word of God will continue uh, to do a work in my life and to do a work in the life of this body. Would you help us, strengthen us, focus us on the importance of being men and women who are about the word of God, that we are men and women who allow it to transform us, to regenerate us, so that we will be obedient to the faith, that we will not be just hearers of the word of God, but that we will become doers. So Lord, please, um, again, inhabit the praises of your people. I give you thanks for your great grace and your great mercy upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.